0: Over here is Natalie, Misty, and Janice. Raise your hands, please. They're the ones who put together all the Mother's Day stuff outside. So if you would, uh, give them all money later. And thanks to all that they've done. We are very grateful for time and energy you all put into today. All right. So it's one of those things. And I want to read something to you guys. Um, So as mothers, this is Mother's Day. And, you know, it's one of those things that I don't know if you know, but Mother's Day is like some day for some time. It's beautiful. Like people like, oh, my gosh, I love this day. I love days about me. And then there are other people who go, this is the worst day of the year. And every year we have people who don't come to church because Mother's Day is so painful for them. And uh, so I, with that in mind, with the idea, with is really clear, it says, celebrate, and it's kind of my own paraphrase, celebrate with those who celebrate. And then have sorrow with those who have sorrow. And that's the beautiful piece about being the body of Christ. And I I want you to kind of hear this as we begin today. As we come into Mother's Day and we celebrate, we celebrate with great joy the moms who are here, right? But recognizing at the same time there are those that, that it's a sorrowful day. And that's the great piece about us as a body is that we learn to celebrate with those who celebrate. And then we learn to have sorrow with those who have sorrow in the context of that. And so I want to read this to you to create a perspective. It says this. it's It's not on the screen, so I just want you to focus on the words. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk in the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. And we ask you to forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. And to those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. And to those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you long for it to be. To those who step parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, We commend you for your selflessness. And remember now, you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we desire to walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. If you would, I would just invite you to pray with me now for our mothers. And as we pray, I want you to think about it in both contexts, that we have great joy with our mothers. And then as we read here, there are those who've experienced all of these things, and there's great sorrow. And isn't that what it's actually like to be part of a family together, recognizing that it's good to have joy and to celebrate And it's good to come alongside of those who are struggling and love them where they are. And so with both of these types of people in mind and specific people that you know of, I'm asking this morning to hear this. I want you to get outside of yourself this morning. Whatever frustrations, whatever tensions you were carrying to this morning, and I want to invite you to intercede with me on behalf of mothers, thinking about people outside of ourselves today, that God would move and bless them today. With that, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, it's with great joy that we celebrate the calling that you have on mothers God, we named all of them in this list. And probably not all of them. There are others in this list. God, they're not on this list. God, uh, that, that, that in their mind, this is kind of motherhood's defined a certain way. And so for those, God, who are experiencing life in a very rich way as a mom, we thank you, God. We thank you for the way that you're moving. We thank you for the investment they have in their children's lives. I thank you, God, for the, for the joy that they have. I thank you, God, for the, for the way that you're with them in difficult moments. And, God, those who are experiencing sorrow, those who are experiencing frustration... Those who've experienced death, whether physical or spiritual or mental or emotional, God, I pray today you would be with them. We pray today, Jesus, for all of our women, that, Father, you would pour out grace in a supernatural way in their life. Father, I pray that you would take them and remove them from frustration. That defines their steps from, from tension and angst that defines them, from worry and doubt and fear that defines them. And I pray that you'd bring them into this place of joy and fullness found in the love of Jesus. That God, they would experience you in a supernatural and powerful way today, God, that you would move them from where they are to the place that you have for them. And I pray today for all of our moms, God, there'd be a day that'd be light. And full of joy. But I pray today also to be a day of sobriety and of depth. That you are for them and not against them. That you've called, that you are here to empower them and to love on them. Lord, I pray today that they would mount upon wings like eagles with Jesus. And that they would soar. And I pray, God, for those who are not soaring. I pray you'd help them to be honest with themselves in that moment and that, God, they would cry out for grace because we know your plan for them and your purposes. They are good and they are right. And I pray you bless them today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, well, let's dive in this morning. There's a couple of other things we have for you. Uh, first and foremost, I want to invite you to be here May 22nd. May 22nd, we're going to kind of do this unveiling, uh, kind of something new, kind of big news that's coming. And so I want to invite you to come. So just keep calm. Big news is coming on May 22nd. We're going to kind of talk about some things going on at Vintage, kind of some big picture things at Vintage, and ultimately the way that you can come alongside of that, that big picture that God's doing and what that means for you. So May 22nd, please be here. Make sure Make sure you talk to your friends and say, hey, I don't know what's going on, but make sure that you're here on May 22nd and excited about what some of the things that God is doing. So mark that on your calendar. The second thing is this. We're going to step in today into a season of prayer and fasting season of prayer and fasting. One of the things we see throughout history in the church, literally pre Jesus, this is really important. Literally, it began in the book of Exodus. God called his people to fast, not so they could lose weight, right? But so that they could connect with God. There's something powerful. We call it the means of grace. We call it a spiritual discipline. And there's all of these means of grace or pathways of God's grace. There's all these disciplines that we embrace that literally, and this is the point as we embrace them, God's spirit moves. It's like, it's like we literally enter onto the highway of God's grace. It literally puts us from a side road onto a highway on which God's grace just flows like a river. You think about it. You've heard all your life. you got to go pray and have a quiet time with Jesus, right? Because prayer and reading Scripture is, a, is putting us in the pathway of God's grace. That's why we worship, because worship is a pathway of God's grace that we put ourselves on. Throughout the history of the church, fasting, whether you have ever experienced, ever even heard about it, fasting has been one of those things. It literally puts us onto the pathway of God's grace. And so fasting is this literally, literally, it actually means foregoing food for an intended season so that we can go after Jesus. And so we want to invite you in this because one of the things we've talked about as a staff, as a leadership team, is that I don't know about you, but there are lots of things we've been crying out to Jesus for for a long time. There are lots of things we've been believing God for, for a long time. And so I woke up about two weeks ago, and this is really important. I woke up a couple weeks ago going, God, there are so many distractions in my life. Can anybody attest to distractions in your life that are keeping you from the fullness of God in your life? And what I found is, what I, what I found is a couple of things. Number one, there are people who just live in their front, who just live in those distractions, and they're so oblivious to them. That they live frustrated, they live frustrated with people, they live more angry with people, they live kind of overwhelmed by life, and it literally defines every step that they take. And I say, that's not God's plan for you. We need God's grace. Because you've probably tried for a long time to get out of it, and you can't. You need God's grace, right? God loves it when his people get to a point saying, God, I can't do it anymore. I need you. And he says, God, he's a grace upon you. We also, there are things we've been praying for as individuals, as a, as a corporate body. Listen, I've been praying for quote unquote revival since I was 16 years old. God's powerful movement of his spirit. Literally, it's the thing I've prayed for, for forever. How, how old am I? Whatever, 30, 26 years, right? Quick math. You see that, right? 26 years. 26 years praying for God's grace. God bring revival. And I've sat there a couple weeks ago. It's like, well, I mean, I literally woke up into the presence of God saying, I have more. But I can't move because you're in the way. Your thoughts are in my way. Your unbelief is in my way. And so God, so I said, we need Grace. And so Scott and I went to Starbucks, we had, a, we had a topic of conversation, and it just shifted. We talked about needing God's grace. We need it for our own lives. We need it as leadership. And so we talked for an hour and a half about God's grace, the need for it, your need for it, our need for it, the need in our community, because I'll tell you something. God doesn't need. Continue, the community doesn't need vintage as it is. It needs vintage empowered by God's grace. Your neighbors don't need you. They need Jesus to be free to move in you. God needs people who are not bound by your stuff. And you know what stuff I'm talking about. I don't know what your stuff is, but you know. And so we're saying, Jesus, we need grace. We want to get out of the way. We don't want to live frustrated with people. We don't want to live distant from people. We don't want to live bound up all day long by condemnation, fear, anxiety, worry, lust, whatever it may be, Jesus. We want to be free to move. And so God spoke very clearly in the moment to the leadership of vintage and said, then you need to fast. And so as we fast, what are we fasting for? It's real simple. I'm not fasting for money. I'm not fasting for a car. I'm not fasting for more people that Vintage. I'm I'm fasting because, saying, Jesus, all we need is your grace, your movement, your blessing. That's what we need. So for 21 days, Jesus, we're going to have a season where we are foregoing whatever it is that God calls you to forego. that becomes a distraction so that you can focus on him. At, the, at 12.30 today, and e, uh, depending like on vintage time, whatever 12.30 is in our time, 12.30, we're going to send out an email. And I'm going to do a little blurb in there for those who were not at church today. Then underneath that are all sorts of resources, documents, some links that you can go to to talk about what is fasting, what are the principles of fasting, what are the practicals of fasting. Listen, if you're a, if you're a veteran at fasting, I still encourage you to read it because it will encourage you. If you are brand new to fasting, then please be smart about it. Go read these things. It's real practical about things that you do. I'd say, if you've never fasted before, then please don't fast 21 days. That's crazy. Start with something you can handle. Fast one meal this week, right? And in that that meal time, really focus on Jesus. And there are all sorts of fasts that you can do. It's all in there. There's a, there's a water fast, a juice fast. There's a Daniel fast, but you eat vegetables. There, are, I would say if you struggle with an eating disorder ever in your life, whether you're a guy or a girl, then you don't fast food. You find something else in your life to get rid of for a season so that you can focus on Jesus. I want you to be smart. Jesus, Jesus wants you to be smart in these things, right? And the idea is this. Fasting without prayer is just starvation. So don't do that. Please, listen, if you say, Steve, I physically can't fast right now, but by God, I can go after him in prayer. Then I would rather you pray. Take every lunch for the next 21 days and pray. You say, well, i got a 30-minute lunch. Then eat in five and pray for 25. You say, well, Steve, you don't know how many kids I have. I've got four wild Indians running around my house. God bless them, right? I pray as I walk and chase them down. Pray, right? I mean, Literally. And let's go after him Because I don't know about you But I don't want to get to heaven And be like one of the churches in Revelation I love this about you But this I will hold against you You've lost your first love I see your actions And how hard you run after me And how you serve me With all your heart But you do it in your own strength And lost your first love That cannot be said about us so I'm inviting you into this. And I'm inviting you into this plate. And listen, is fasting easy? Absolutely not. I hate fasting. To be honest with you. I'm like, oh, Jesus, anything else I can do besides that, right? Just being completely honest. I don't care to be honest with you because I don't, I don't enjoy not eating. I love to eat, right? But there's something powerful as we forego something to say, Jesus, I'm hungry for this, but what I ultimately do is you. Remember Jesus said to his disciples, the disciples said, hey, do you need some, get, get you something to eat? He goes, no, no, I have food you do not know of. Where is it? Did you kind of hide it in your beard? No. is to do the will of the Father and to know him. And I'm sustained. Oh, Jesus. So I invite you into that. Listen, Scott reminded me today. Do not start fasting today. This is a feast day. This is a day to celebrate our moms. So please enjoy your meal today and love eating what you're eating with your, with your family. Okay, enjoy today. If you're ready to start fasting tomorrow, then start. If you're not, then start praying tomorrow and ask God how you can get involved. What type of fast should you do? When should you fast? And if you, and listen, I'm not going to look at you and go, all right, Graham, bro, what kind of fast are you doing? You 21 day or just doing a one day a week thing? Not doing any of that. Remember, there's no, listen, two weeks ago, there's no spiritual elitism. If you fast one day to 21 and I fast only and drink only water, guess what Jesus thinks. If you're both being obedient, then you're equal in my eyes. Do you hear that? It's a really important message. but the the question for you is, what is God calling you to? right? Are you good with that? All right, so Jesus, I just pray grace upon each person that, Lord, fasting. They may hate it. They may have hated all their experiences in the past. I pray in this one, Jesus, there'd be something unique and powerful as we're all doing it together. And as we jump into it, Lord, that it may be difficult, but we find you like we never have. And grace flows like a mighty pent-up river being dr- driven by the breath of the Lord, as Isaiah called it. And that, Lord, we would just live in the river of your presence and that we've come out of this. Listen, God, i just just and you know it. I have expectations coming out of this. Fast, I have an expectation of your movement and your power and your blessing and your grace and your freedom for people who don't even know they're in shackles. And I pray, Jesus, in these next 21 days that people who are bound by the enemy and don't even realize because this becomes such a part of their life that you would set them free in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's dive in this morning. Thanks for humoring me on those pieces. Like a couple of weeks ago, or last week, excuse me, last week, Scott uh, looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and really focused on chapter 7, which said, to each one's given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so he took that and said, hey, let's link this, me- let's link this message of Paul directly to foster care. If you look, you saw up here a second ago when we did our... Um, uh, that the made a glance. We literally had on the we had up there says May is foster care month. And most of you know, if you don't know, foster care is, a, is the primary local outreach that we're going after It's the primary mission of who we are. Right. May is national foster care month. And so in this national foster care month, you said, hey, it's who vintage is as a body. And hear, here, here, this. This is really important. What this, and I would encourage you to all listen to Scott's message. It was very powerful. But one of the things that he just said it was super clear. He said, listen, individually, this is really important, individually, in your own individual calling, you may not be called to literally bring children into your home and to do foster care. Because it's ultimately God's calling upon your life. And we're, and we completely honor that and respect that. But you are one part of the whole body at vintage. Which means because we're going after it, it's something that God has a manifestation of the Spirit in you that He wants to do into foster care. So whether it's literally coming and doing babysitting, whether it's literally coming and being a driver one day, literally literally like maybe it's just like maybe like you want to do ice cream Mondays with the kids in foster care, and all you get to do all you have to do is just like pick up kids, take them to get the ice cream, become their hero, and then bring them home. Whatever it may be, right? He said the talents. If you, he said, the idea of what, if you're doing something that you're good at, a talent that you have. Maybe such as maybe like he said for golf, Scott's a great golfer. So he said, maybe it's taking kids and then taking them out, and teaching them how to play golf. I'm using something that I have in me, a manifestation of God's gifting in me to become a blessing to foster care. Or if you're growing tomato plants, then grow extra tomato plants too. Cause you're like really talented at tomato plants, then grow extra tomato plants and give them to people in foster care. Right? And so, so Randall put together and her team put together this beautiful board outside. And on the left side, It's just simple, literally. I mean, go read it. It's super simple, practical ways that you can get involved and do things in fostering. And it requires maybe a total of a couple of hours to do some of them and even less than that for others. And so just saying, hey. I'm not saying you have to foster. God can, God can raise it up inside of you if he wants to. But what is the way that you're manifesting God's spirit in the context of foster care at Vintage? Coming alongside of families. Families who come alongside of us. It's been amazing. People who brought meals. Blown me away. Listen, Deborah Siever just this week brought us two meals, right? Wednesday and Friday. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Like She walked in the door and I literally heard angelic voices as my four crazies are running around. It's a, it's a beautiful thing because Randall was gone. Actually, it was three of them because one of them was with her. But my point is this. So there's practical ways they get plugged in. Second thing, on the right side, God's speaking to us about other things that we can do that fit us and what's going on in our life. And so we just have empty circles where you can write some of those things down. Alright, and then you can do those things that fit your calling and what God's doing in you. Okay? So manifestation of the Spirit in the context of foster care. You get this individual calling and we celebrate that, want to get behind what God is doing in you, but we just simply ask if you're part of the the whole body, that then you are doing something in the midst of vintage, whether it's small in your mind, but big in the eyes of God. Okay? So that's where he went last week, filling it in. May foster care month, we'll talk about it more in the upcoming weeks too. Alright, so let's dive in this morning. First Corinthians chapter 12, you have your Bibles, you can turn there, uh, Rob, I don't have my Bible up here. So gonna, I used to read along. So just kind of just shift as I shift. Okay. So we're going to read the whole thing. Verse four through 26. Let me get some water prepared for this. All right. Starting at verse four it says this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And if the ears just say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. All right. So what I want us to recognize this morning, and, and, and to be honest with you, this is a really simple message that Paul is getting across. I think, to be honest, I read the body analogy, and it's probably the most easy analogy in all of Scripture for people to understand. Is this? It's super easy. One body. We're one body with many parts, right? And so Paul comes in in chapter 12, and it's really important to recognize his primary agenda, his primary agenda, his goal is to take really bad and wrong thinking and wrong theology about the gifts and to make it right. Like he wants to take their theology, he wants to take their thinking in the area of the gifts and he simply wants to make it clear and to create a secure foundation on which he can build his theology of the gifts. So let's just go ahead and state very quickly, all of us in this room probably have some faulty ideas faulty thinking and faulty theology somewhere in life, right? There's probably some areas that you, I don't care if you grew up in Christian school, went to a Christian college and got Christianized out the wazoo. You probably have wrong thinking because men who had bad or women who had bad theology taught you. And so as we step into this, Paul's saying, listen, you have bad thinking. You have bad theology. You literally I can't even talk about the gifts yet. Because there's a faulty foundation upon which I'm building. You have wrong ideas and wrong thoughts about them. I don't care that you've moved in the gifts. Listen, the the Corinthians had moved in the gifts more than any of us combined in this room. Paul's not having to teach them and tell them they exist and try to explain them. They fully understood them. They were moving in all of them. There was nothing lacking. The gift of tongues, in action. Gift of prophecy, in action. People walk in the room and say, you're filled, you have a demon in you, discerning of spirits, right? Like they're happening all the time. They understand them. Had a faulty theology, a faulty thinking. And so Paul is literally coming and building a theological framework upon which the use of the gifts can stand. That's what we're doing here. We want to come and kind of lay this foundation, the same foundation Paul is laying. Last two weeks ago, we said, read the first three verses. Paul's really clear saying there's no spiritual elitism. Just because, listen, they used tongues, the gift of tongues, as the sign of who was more spiritual. And if you didn't have it to this degree, then you were less than. And Paul comes and says, Listen, there are just spiritual and unspiritual. They're just saved and unsaved. Therefore, no matter what gift you have, you are all spiritual elites in the eyes of God. And for some people, that was buoying, and in some others, it was deflating. But Paul had to put them there. It's really important. So you're all one in Christ, you're all spiritual elites in some form or fashion. And so the next shift then for Paul happens in these verses we just read, where he comes in, he stresses their unity as spiritual children of God, but then he celebrates their diversity. Hear that. He names their unity and celebrates their diversity. We see that in the very first four through six. Paints the picture clearly. You can see it up on the screen. There are three things we see. There's different gifts. We see it in chapter in verse four. Different gifts, so diversity, we each have different gifts that we bring, right? Some of you get a red present, some of you get a blue present, some of you get a green present, right? Some of you get a Confucian present, whatever it may be, right? Some of you get pink presents, and some of you get like the smorgasbord present, right, whatever it is. Some of you have different, you have different gifts, diversity, but the same spirit, so you're all unified. Different kinds of service, service in the body, right? Diversity, but the same Lord. Unity, different kind of workings, working the spirit, workings that you do diversity, but the same God is at work. And so Paul's name really says, listen, you're going to be doing different things, but you're all part of one family. You're all unified under one spirit, one Lord, one God. This is really important because what it does, it puts all of us under the same boat, we don't have the we don't have these people over here moving in these gifts and these people over here moving in these gifts no we 're all on the same boat, unified, but we are diverse and so if you take anything from this morning, it's this: there is unity for us, but listen there's unity for us, but there's not uniformity we 're not all the same there's unity. But not uniformity, and there's diversity which we celebrate and God celebrates. So if you take anything away, it's unity, not uniformity, with diversity. You see it in four through six: different gifts, different kinds of workings, different work. It's, it's different kinds of service. Same Lord, same Spirit, same God at work. You see it in the context of our family. We love moms, don't we? Like we celebrate moms. Like I celebrate my mom. I celebrate Randall, who is a great mom this morning, right? I celebrate moms and what they do because families would not, don't, wouldn't, listen, families don't work to the way they're supposed to work unless mom is doing their role and and, and and just killing it, right? Moms have roles that nobody else in the family has they're amazing they are awesome right we look back and say "I mean, it's hopefully for a lot of you had good moms you're like oh yes my mom right and we just tell stories we love our mom the way that she showed compassion the way that she loved us the way that she moved in us right and just did things in our lives my mom listen, my mom put me first every day of her life woke up every morning every morning And got me the grumbler out of bed, went downstairs and made my breakfast and made my lunch. For 18 straight years, every morning, she made my lunch. For a while, then went in my Buck Rogers lunchbox. For a time, went in my Star Wars lunchbox. Then for a short season, went in my Smurfs lunchbox, right? I mean, it's like I had all these lunch... And then we went brown bag, because brown bags were cool about the time I hit middle school, right? So I was brown bagging it every day. Every day, she got up and did this. Every morning, every night, I would come home, and she would... By, the time, by 5.30, there was dinner on the table that she had fixed... Every time I was sick, my dad would go, Go, I'm so sorry, Steve. I love you. I wish it was me, not you. I'm like, thanks, Dad. And then he would leave. My mom would care for me, right? My mom was amazing. But you know what? My mom was not the most important person in our family. You know why? Because there was not a most important person in my family. Every single person. My dad was unbelievably as important in my life. My grandparents had a different role, but they were of utmost importance. They could fill a role in my family my parents could not fill. Had aunts and uncles who could fill roles that they couldn't fill, right? And so I'd look at my life and go, was your mom most important? No, she was absolutely not most important, but she was of utmost importance. There was diversity in the context of my family. Each person brought their own thing. We talk about it in our family. It's like I'm the fun one. Right? Like, I'm the fun one. I'm the one people say, hey, put your hands out. I'm like, why? And they come running and jump into me, right? I'm like, I'm the jungle gym. Now, I'm not saying that rail's not fun, but I'm more fun to my kids. It's just the nature of it. And she's going to go, yes. Because we each have our role to play. Grandparents have a role they can meet an emotional need that we can't. And so what Paul's getting at here, we put in the context of what we're celebrating today. Moms, are they the most important? No, they're utmost importance, though. So they are a unified part of the team that represents family. And we celebrate them, but we don't talk about moms. Don't go. well, you better celebrate me as being the most important. Like, I am the family elite. I am the most important person. The world revolves around me and our family. No. You were a part of it. And so that's what Paul's getting at here. You are amazing, but you are simply part of the family. Moms are part of the family. And we have to recognize what Paul's getting us. like, listen, there's no spiritual elite in the body. There's no spiritual elite in the family. There's no spiritual elite in, in, in the body itself, in the body of Christ. There is diversity. We each have our roles to play. And so in verse 7, Paul sums this up very clearly. Is this kind of actually the thesis, the center point for his entire teaching he says we've already looked at it last week. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Like, again, this is not like a, it. It means what it says. Right. So Paul comes as the manifestation manifestation. It's simply a disclosure or an expression of the spirit's activity in your life. Like here's my question for you. Do you can you right now tell me how you express the gifts of the Holy Spirit this week? Like, can you sit here and just classically say, hey, here's how I expressed the gifts of the spirit that are moving in my life very clearly, very emphatically, just very poignantly and very clearly. Can you? Because Paul is simply saying, listen. There's been a manifestation of God's Spirit given to you, to you, and to you, and to you, and to you, and to you. Every single person in this room has a manifestation. It's a simple, when the Spirit of God comes in and he brings you a gift, you open it, and then he discloses it, he expresses it through you. If you can't, then you should probably pay attention. Because the Corinthians were very clear what their manifestations of the, of the gifts of the, spirits were, the Spirit, the Spirit. were. Well, they knew the gifts that were in their life. And I feel like the greatest the greatest thing, the scripture says, do not be ignorant of the gifts. They were ignorant of how they were supposed to move. And most of us have just gotten really good at doing Christianity by ourselves without the expression of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why we cry out for grace. Because I'll tell you something, you will fail without the Holy Spirit. There are churches today who are worshiping and they're worshiping and they're doing service without Jesus being present. Because they figured out how to do it. In fact, how many Christians do you, because it's definitely not you, how many Christians do you know that primarily do life every day in their own strength, in their own power, not in the power of the Spirit? You know who they are because the only time you talk talk to them, they're always frustrated at you or someone else. People who are always frustrated at other people, well, they're in their own flesh, not moving the power of the Spirit. People who are over here are always worried about what, in fear, what's tomorrow going to hold and oh my gosh, right? They're in their flesh, not in the spirit. They're not manifesting God's spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. People are always, always defined by lust, whether of sexually or just for more, are defined by the things of the flesh, not the things of the spirit. No manifestation of God's presence. And so in this moment, what are the manifestations? Well, he names, he just kind of randomly names. He doesn't go an exhaustive list of the manifestations. He just says, well, here's just, a, here's, just, here's just a list, kind of a, as I'm thinking, stream of consciousness. There's, there's the gift of wisdom. We're going to talk more about these in upcoming weeks, okay? But there's the gift of wisdom. There's the gift of knowledge. The gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miraculous powers, the gift of prophecy, the gift of the discerning of spirits, the gift of, listen, I'll say this work this week, I'm literally doing, I was with, well, Carl didn't come because he left me hanging, right? No. Carl does prison ministry every week, it's powerful, they love him in the prison. And so this today, I, I got, he invited me to come and to speak, and Carl couldn't make that things going on, but I got to go speak to these guys who are graduating from this thing, and so there's a guy named Tyler, right? And Tyler's got long hair as a young guy, and Tyler's sitting there, and he's talking, and I look over at him, guy. And I literally, in, listen, hear this In the spirit, I see warfare I see this battle for him And he's kind of bit, vaguely sharing this And that is see And I looked and like I said, I knew immediately He is struggling with anger He is struggling with fear And he's struggling knowing what God is doing That God is real And so I got to speak And he, and I looked at him And, I said, and, I, and he, he was like disconnected I said, Tyler, let me tell you what I saw in the spirit for you I saw a battle for your soul I saw this and I named the things and he began to tear up and began to cry. Do you know why that's awesome? Not because like we always joke, like I'm awesome because he's awesome. But that is a true statement in that that moment. Tyler knew he did. He went from being like this to being like this in rapture by the word of God that was being spoken. The gifts of the Holy Spirit moving right. Discerning of spirits, the gift of tongues. I speak in tongues. I've prayed in tongues a lot. I've had people interpret it in, in church. It's crazy. It's a beautiful gift. And we're so afraid of it. Why? Because the enemy's afraid of it, right? See, so it makes us afraid of it. The interpretation of tongues has the same power, the gift of prophecy, because we're proclaiming God's words. Right? And so he says, and Paul's saying, these are just a list of the manifestations of how God wants to see me, of how the spirit wants to express himself in the context of the body you see these pieces he's naming? And so he's laying this foundation that all of us, every single one of us, have a manifestation of God's Spirit. We're not elitist. None of these are elite gifts. None of these are better than the others. No one who moves in one is better than someone who moves in another. Here's the foundation he's laying. He's not even diving into the gifts yet. He's even saying, just stop for a moment. And don't compare yourself. Just stop for a moment and stop thinking you're less than other people. Stop thinking you're better than somebody else and be really awakened to the fact that God wants to manifest His grace and His power and His Spirit for you. What? For the common good of those who are dying and going to hell or those who are dying in condemnation from the enemy and not living the life God's called them to live. Have you gone to a believer this week in? Seen the manifestation of God's spirit to speak truth into a lie that God, that the enemy has fed them and helped set them free. It's for the common good. It's for the good of others. And so in this, what we begin to see, it speaks of the conviction, this conviction. That they live with a clear understanding and knowledge that they have a gift to manifest And it is not to build themselves up, not to make themselves look better, not to make themselves look elite, but to help those who are in need. And this is the thesis. This is the foundation. This is the whole point of all of Paul's teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What's the one hinge point, Steve, that all of the gifts... All the gifts hang on Verse 7 of chapter 12 Of 1 Corinthians There's manifestations of the spirit For you and 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 me And you guys back there Sorry guys It's for all of us And you can move in a way that I can't And we need you The world needs you for the common good of those who are struggling. And Paul says this is the hinge point, right? So we see unity. It's for the common good with diversity, with your own unique gifts. Not uniformity because that would be lame. Be completely unuseful. What if my body was made up of 65 ears and no eyeballs? How awkward. It Looked like the book of Ezekiel kind of, right? If you ever read it. So then in verse 11, Paul restates verse 7 by saying, all of these things, all the gifts, we, the wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, reckless, power, prophecy, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit, unity, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. We're diverse. I, listen, I'm, I don't ever do this, but look at your neighbor. On both sides, say it to the one and then come back to the other. Say, I need your gifts. Look at them. You're like, it's really easy with my wife and my spouse, but the person I don't know, awkward, right? Listen, let's over here. Janice, raise your hand. Janice needs Misty's gift. Zach, I need your gift. I can't function here at Vintage the way I'm supposed to, apart from your gift. And I could say that to every single one of you. Can I tell you the lie of the enemy at Vintage? You're alone and you have no purpose. The great lie of the enemy is you have no friends, whatever. We are here for a purpose. That God has for us to manifest the gifts of the spirit for the common good, to not make life about me, but to be a blessing to others. I'll tell you how vintage would get awesome overnight if you stopped only thinking about yourself and what you needed from people and how you could be a blessing to somebody else. Then all of a sudden we all become a blessing to each other. Like, oh my gosh, now I'm getting loved. It's amazing how that works. The economy of the kingdom. There is uniformity. There's unity, not uniformity, with diversity for the common good of the body. That's all of this, right? These gifts are not given to create spiritual elitism or supersized portion of the spirit. The spirit distributes the gifts according to his purposes. And it's for all of us And who are in community And there's no second team Less fans Paul in trying to build this theology He's lowering The Corinthians glamorized Estimation Of tongues Because the gift of tongues a division The key verses 7 Which we just read Diversity in all of us Spiritual manifestations For the unity of of the body and for the blessing of those who need Christ. Are you spending more time wishing people would be a blessing to you or being a blessing to others? If you spend more time wanting to be blessed, then you miss Jesus and the Holy Spirit can't move you because you're sitting there going me, 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 that's just me because it's actually a form of spiritual elitism. I want to make your life all about me. So then verse twelve to twenty six, and let's dive into it because it makes sense, and there's lots of pieces you could see in it. But Paul uses an analogy of the body again to drive his point home. He expresses unity, right? My body is one, right? I'm not more than one Steve. I'm not 45 Steve. I'm one Steve right here, right? I am un I'm a unified one body, but I'm diverse, and I have a couple of ears, a couple of eyes, i got ten fingers, ten toes, I have heels, I have a he two heels, right? Over here, I've got two belly, like I've one belly that seems to get larger every day. I got one belly button, one spine. No, I'm getting all of these pieces and all of me are diverse. What if I had? Like, what if I had 45 spines? How awkward would that be? Right? I'd be really upright. Right? Whatever it is. Right? It's crazy. And so, but they all work together. One body unified, diverse with all these pieces. And I'll tell you something. What if I sat here today and said, guys, look at my hands. This is the best hand in the world. I mean, this hand thinks it's better than this hand. All day long, this hand's like, I'm better than you. I'm amazing. You're terrible. Right? I mean, what about literally when we were like, hey, guys, look at my right hand. Pretty amazing, huh? So much better than this hand. I love this hand right here. It is awesome. It is like elite of hands. I mean, you would never come to Vintage again, right? Because that would be so weird. I mean, literally. And Paul's saying that's what Christians look like all day long, who try to say that they're better and more spiritually elite. Have you ever been in church with people like that? If you're like that advantage, either get convicted and repent or leave. There's no other option. Because people are going to die because you're in a spiritual elite and you're not loving them and you're not seeking their common good. Paul's coming and saying, stop this. Your body is one body. Your body is made up of many, many unique parts. But no part is ultimately more important than another. Paul in this, literally, and I would encourage you to read it for yourself. Paul is literally coming in the moment. He said, this is the foundation for the gifts. This is the hinge point. You're all elite in God's eyes. You are unified as the body, but you are diverse. And your diversity is for the common good of everybody else, not to make yourself look great. How are you? Look at you. So how are you? Paul would say, so how are you? Because they're going to read this and go, oh, crud. I'm not seeking the common good. Uh, either they're like, but I'm still great and thin, Or they're like, oh, God, forgive me. I want people who come before God and say, forgive me and use me Would the path, the highway of your grace be unimpeded by my pride and my selfishness and my self-focusedness and my self-absorption. God, me being the center of my own universe. And Jesus, would you become the center of my own universe so that I can see the need of others and seek the common good? So here are a few takeaways, and these are all on the screen so you can look at them. If the work of the Spirit appears to be the cause of disunity among some, it is certainly not the Spirit's fault. So in, you've been, you've been, I say that because of history, people. You've been in churches where all of a sudden the gifts begin to flow, and all of a sudden there's Disunity right? You sit, are part of a church and there's disunity. There's grumbling behind the scenes. People talking about people, right? And talking about, uh, they they think they're better than, and da, 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 right? And I would say, that's not the spirit's fault. Our common fallenness, our common fallenness, unfortunately causes pride and suspicion and distrust to prevail when it comes to the work of God's spirit. How are we dying to that? It's not the spirit's fault. If this unity pops up. Number two, unity is the result of our common life in the spirit, not of our own human abilities. So how do you get unity? I'm I'm, going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. No, it's you go and pray and seek the common good. Good. You begin to say, Jesus, would you move in power? God, we need your spirit. We cannot program and we cannot force unity. It is dependent upon God's spirit. And as A.W. Tozer said one time, how do we gain? Listen, how do we gain unity in the body of Christ? Then we go after Jesus together with our eyes focused on him. And at the end, we realize we're solely around him and unified. Do you talk about people or do you pray for unity? Number three, Paul's primary concern and the foundation he is building, he is building for the gifts is for diversity on the one hand and for mutual concern in the body on the other unity. We embrace unity and diversity all at the same time. Someone moves in the gifts of the spirit in your life. Tell them how awesome it was that they did. And walk away and praise God rather than going, oh, God, I wish I had that gift. I'm just telling you all my personal experiences, like all of these things. They're like birthed right out of my personal experiences and all of these things. Right. We must and I would say this is for the stand. We must stop negating others as less important than ourselves. That destroys unity. Diverse gifts for the common good. At the same time, there must be a greater acceptance of diversity within the large diversity of gifts in the spirit. I go to churches over here and they celebrate the cerebral gifts. You know what I mean in that? The gift of teaching. The gift of wisdom. And you know what? A lot of times those gifts are much more tame and laid back, much more mind oriented. And I got people over here, man, the charismatic circles, man, they're like moving in tongues and prophesying. And and I'll be honest with you, you walk in like, they're kind of crazy. And so what do they do? They decide, I think it's best that we live in two separate camps and pretend like the other doesn't exist and the other's less than. Well, that's just silly. Doesn't make any sense. We have to embrace diversity and look and go, Whoa, Jesus, if you need to use me like that, you can, but I prefer you don't, but you're more than welcome to, because that's crazy! You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest. Like, it's like, God, would you embrace, would you, would you draw us together? Would vintage be a place with a cerebral gifts? People who are, you know, I'm so cerebral who they never raise their hands in worship. They never run around in circles. They never dance. And you know what? They're inside worshiping Jesus like everybody else who does. And we celebrate them. We love them. We don't look at them and go, boy, they to be getting free in the spirit. And they're like, I am. I am. I'm not like you. Celebrate me and I'll celebrate that you're crazy because that's awesome that you run around in circles. And then if you were like doing like tomahawk, ch- tomahawk, chalk, chops in the spirit, like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Right. Whatever it is. I mean, you know what I'm getting at seriously. We can't have a singular focus on one type of gifts or one gift itself. We have to celebrate diversity, seek the common good, celebrate people. Correct people when they're in error like Paul is doing lovingly and kindly because this is part of your body. This doesn't go, you stupid left hand. You caused us to lose the games. You dropped the ball, you idiot. Stop doing this to people. Seriously. I mean, this is like, Jesus. Mm. I have been so frustrated in the spirit this week with this from people so frustrated so frustrated Jesus, is, I'm like, I'm done I'm done with people are doing this I'm tired of church who does this I'm tired of people talking about people I'm tired of people being negative I'm tired of people grumbling I'm tired of all this and search for a word I'm tired of it I'm tired of people not feeling loved, I'm tired of people feeling not feeling like they're connected. I'm tired of people not being feeling like they're part of the body, I'm tired of it. Jesus is too. He said, Seek the common good. Love diversity. There's no such thing as spiritual elites. Manifest the gifts. Learn what they are. It's not listen, let me say this again. It's not my job to make you not ignorant about the gifts. It's not my job going You're not going to stand in heaven and go, well, Scott and Steve did not do a good job of teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And their fault is not going to fly. Absolutely not. Let's embrace. Let's have right hand. I know you dropped the ball, but I love you. I know that you have thorns on you. I love you and I'll hug you anyway. I know that you are dying on the side of the road and I will not pass you by. I will love you for the common good and manifesting God's spirit in your life because you're part of the body or you're not part of the body. And I want you to be so I will love you to it. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are faithful. You are kind. You are loving and you're not frustrated all the time, Jesus. God, you are frustrated with your church in a loving way when they don't walk in the way they're supposed to walk. God, I think, you get, I think you, God, you get sad when we're not actually manifesting the gifts that are sitting there available to be used because we're just ignorant of them because we're focused on ourselves rather than on the needs of others and how to be a blessing. Jesus, I'm asking this morning that you would build this foundation of the Spirit into our lives. I pray this morning, Jesus, that you would take people who are defending themselves right now in their own mind. Well, whatever this, and they did this, whatever it may be, and and they just repent and say, God, I'm sorry. And that, God, they would look and say, now, Jesus... I'm asking for your pathway of grace to flow and power through me so I don't see myself as elite. I don't see someone else as an elite. I don't think less of myself or anyone else, but I see myself as a spiritual elite along with everybody else as a unified body of Christ, same Christ, same spirit, same Lord. And I would see myself as in one boat with the people who are going after one purpose of loving Jesus and loving your neighbor. And I pray Jesus today that you would awaken grace that you would awaken the spirit inside of us or really awaken us to the spirit who is already crying out inside of us. I pray Jesus for those who are struggling and those who are dying, God, those who are dying on the vine. I pray today that you would awaken them to to what you only what's it, their responsibility in that? And the lies they have believed. And I pray God you would awaken them to their need for Jesus and the confidence that you will move. I pray for those who are awakened to the things of your spirit today, then I pray, God, that they would stop thinking about life and their spiritual life in a very individual, individual way, God, and that they would focus on it in the context of Jesus. Loving people, loving neighbors, giving their lives away, seeking the common good as a primary manifestation of their lives. Jesus, you've called vintage to be different. We can't be consumers, God. We can't sit back and just receive and receive and receive and receive. We have to give away what you've given us or you'll stop giving to us. Holy Spirit, I'm asking today for the love of your conviction to change our trajectory and the this path that we're on, God, to a path of grace. Holy Spirit. I'm so aware of my need for you, and I'm so aware of our need for you. I pray you would stop grumblers in their tracks and cause them to worship, because they will be a lot more joy-filled than when they do. I pray you would take people who are dying today and that you would speak life, into them through someone who has a word of knowledge a gift of wisdom in their life Jesus, like my boy Tyler in prison I pray today Jesus those who are confused about direction I pray for a word of knowledge or a gift of prophecy to be spoken into their life I pray for someone who can't figure out what direction to go in life I pray you'd raise up a person with a gift of administration to come alongside and administrate their life for them I pray for people who are lost today and don't know Christ, that you would move with the gift of evangelism, Lord. So as they speak, please they speak and proclaim the name of Jesus, people are drawn in repentance. We ask your forgiveness for doing vintage for a long time in our own strength, Jesus. We ask forgiveness for having lost sight of our first love. Awaken us again. I just invite you to respond as the Lord leads today. those of you who don't know, these are offering baskets. This offering basket is God's way of causing something to die inside of us that says, I have to control my own life and I have to control my own finances because I'm not sure God can provide for me. And so he creates an offering to say, this is my testimony whenever I give that what I have is God's and not mine. And so God, it shows as I give, it's an act of grace and the faith that I trust you with all of my resources and I will not live in fear of I'm not going to have enough. We have our communion table. Jesus says, I want you to do this and remember me. What am I remembering? I'm remembering that Jesus died and was resurrected so that I could have life. We have ministry teams on both sides, and you can come and listen. If you want to come today and confess your sins to them, then please do. So they can pray over you to be blessed. Or whatever else that you need, we want to pray for you. This is your official. This is the official end of service. Tate's going to lead us, and we're going to. When he gets done, we're going to be done for the day. So if you need to go and celebrate Mother's Day, celebrate it, love it, have a great time. But let God lay this foundation for you. Don't forget the Foster Care Board outside on your way. We love you guys. Have a great Mother's Day and a great week. We'll see you soon. No. Mm-hmm.